2: Hey, this is the Mad Scientist and welcome to the What's Up Next podcast.
3: Hey, this is Jim Wang and you're listening
4: to the What's Up Next podcast. Hey, this is Mr. Waffles on Wednesday.
0: And this is Mrs. Wow.
4: And you're listening to the What's Up Next podcast.
0: Welcome to What's Up Next, where your hosts,
1: Paul, David Thompson, and Doc G. Take the discussion on topics in the financial independence movement to the next level. Guest panelists share their opinion to questions that don't have clear answers to help you refine your path to financial independence.
5: Welcome, this is Paul David Thompson from Ready Investor One. And this is
1: Doc G from Diversify.com. So, Paul Thompson, what's up next?
5: Well, we have a panel today that spans seven or eight time zones. And the question is, should you create a business on your path to financial independence? So I'll give each of our guests a chance to introduce themselves. Brandon, would you mind going first?
2: Yeah, I'm Brandon, the Mad Scientist. I've been writing about this stuff since 2012. I have my own podcast called the Financial Independence Podcast. And I definitely have a big opinion on this, which I'm sure we'll get into. I will pass it on to somebody else before we dive in, I think. Well, thanks for joining us all the way from
5: Scotland. And we'll jump over to Jim. Can you give us a quick introduction, please?
2: It's Jim.
3: I write at WildHacks.com, and I've been writing about personal finance actually with my first blog since 2004, 2005. And I sort of stumbled into the whole business thing myself. So it'll be
5: it'll be a fun conversation. Look forward to it. All right, now let's turn over to the Wow's, Mr. and Mrs. Wow. Can you each give us a quick intro, please?
0: I'm Mrs. Wow. We live in Southern California.
4: I'm Mr. Wow. Uh, We write at Waffles on Wednesday, and we're just super excited. Uh, We write about any kind of stuff pertaining to our life. So, Paul, I want to
1: start the conversation in a little bit of a funny way. Uh, Do you remember the candies now and laters? I do. So now and laters were like these chewy, sweet and sour candies. And the reason I bring them up is when I was in elementary school, I would go out and buy five or 10 packs of now and laters. I think they were 25 cents a piece. And then I'd go to the schoolyard and sell each now and later for 10 cents. And I usually doubled my money. And I realized that as I've listened to the financial independence community, I'm not the only one who had a schoolyard business or a schoolyard hustle. So I'm wondering with our panelists, and I'm going to run through you guys starting with Jim. Tell me about your first business that you created. Did you have any schoolyard hustles?
3: I didn't have any schoolyard hustles because my parents were very much like your job is not to worry about money. And when I say school year, this is like elementary school up until high school. I had like side jobs, but no like hustles. My first hustle wasn't until think college when I would go to like the hot deal sites, like like Fat Wallet. And I can't even remember which ones. And I would buy things that you would get the rebates for like software and then resell it on eBay. That was my first hustle.
1: Brandon, I'm wondering the same thing with you. Were you like me? Were you on the schoolyard handing out pieces of candy for an extra dime or two?
2: yeah i got in trouble with the principal and my mom and loads of people so uh when i was growing up hacky sacks were like a big thing and you know we'd play hacky sacks on recess and all that sort of stuff and then when i realized like oh hey these are knits and then my grandma she knits and crochets and all this stuff so i was like hey graham can you make me a hacky sack and we went through probably like 10 iterations before we like really nailed it but at the end of it we had this like perfect one that was like ideal and then I was like, well, I can start selling this to my friends. So I just had my grandma like cranking out these things. And I started selling them. Yeah, to all my friends. And then the uh, principal called my mom. And then my mom yelled at my grandma. And it was a big <laughs> ordeal. But yeah, it was, it was good. It was a good little business.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to bet. I'm a guessing man here. I'm going to bet that Mr. Wow had some type of schoolyard hustle and that Mrs. Wow didn't. But go ahead, Mr. Wow. Uh, were you
4: selling anything on the schoolyard? I wasn't selling anything on the schoolyard, but I did have a lawn mowing business and I did work on a farm when I was in middle school and elementary school for like five bucks an hour, splitting wood and baling hay and feeding chickens and all that kind of stuff. So that was pretty much it. Mrs. Wow.
0: You totally guessed it. No, I definitely didn't have any sort of entrepreneurial spirit growing up. I just played sports. I was good at that. And that's pretty much all that I did. If you would have asked me 20 years ago, or you would have said, hey, you're going to have a business, I probably would have just laughed at you.
1: So Jim, this makes me wonder, some people naturally seem to go towards building businesses and others don't are you born a business person or do you become one later on in life?
3: For me, it was always driven out of curiosity. Like, I don't know that I ever started a blog to think it was going to be a business. It was just, this looks interesting. Someone else is doing this. Can I do this too? And this natural just investigation of things that are out there that I think a lot of entrepreneurs have as part of them. And that was what I sort of tapped into. And now, there are stories about people that do this as a business. For me, it was like an investigation. And in college, I sort of, you know, I went on to a corporate job and I kind of forgot about it. But I think that curiosity is a common thread. And whether that becomes something that, you know, take on as an entrepreneur or whether you go on to that in your career, I think is, is a common thread. I don't know if an entrepreneur
1: is born or created, but you definitely need that curiosity in there. Brandon, I'm wondering what you think about this, because I know that you were on your financial independence pathway, probably before you built a number of businesses you have now. So what drives us? Is it that we want to reach financial independence faster? And that's why we make these businesses? Or is it curiosity and creation?
2: For me, it was curiosity and creation, but I did have things that I was building. And that's the whole reason I got on the path to I actually, uh, too much of a wuss to be a proper entrepreneur. So when I realized, so oh, I could just work for five years or something and have all the money I need, and then I can tackle all these business ideas that I have that I'm just like, yeah, too much of a wuss to actually dedicate a full work week to. So yeah, so I built things prior to even stumbling on financial independence. I had written various applications and things and actually like the credit card tool that I have now, that started way back in the day when I first started learning how to program on Ruby on Rails. So a lot of these things have been kicking around for years before even you know discovering financial independence. Yeah, yeah, that was the whole reason for my journey was so that I could tackle all these business ideas. And then the ironic thing is once I hit FI and money wasn't as much of a motivating factor anymore, I stopped wanting to do most of those businesses. Um, so it sort of moved into like a artistic direction, I guess, which is a surprise. So yeah, it's uh, been a weird progression. <laughs>
1: Mrs. Wow, I'd like to discuss with you this idea of progression and specifically this idea of fear, because I think fear stops a lot of people from starting businesses, especially those who haven't been doing it since childhood. So you are not this kind of avid business person growing up. What helped you get over the fear to start your own OT business?
0: I think the defining moment for me was When I sat down and I reflected and I looked at my life at that current moment and I was doing some independent contracting. And so basically I was doing all the work myself, but I just had this middleman that was taking money out of my paycheck and I was just kind of getting sick of it. And so I sat down one night and I was like, you know what? My life is good right now. It's not great. It's good. If I do this and I fail, I can go right back to where I am at this moment. So why not take the risk? And so I did.
1: And I'm wondering, Mr. Wow, since it sounds like you are a little bit more kind of on the business side, were you watching her work saying, hey, we can do this on our own? Hey, we can make an occupational therapy business. We don't have to be splitting the profits with someone else.
4: Yeah. So just watching her do everything and then basically just invoice this company that's taking overhead right out of the top. I mean, immediately... I started thinking there's a reason why they're just taking money off the top. You're doing all the work, right? So if we can get around that, you can up your income drastically and you can do this on your own because you're doing it anyway. And so there was a lot of logistics that we had to figure out that I helped her do on the back end. But for her, I mean, she made a great point, which is the worst thing that happens is she goes back to her life as it was, which was pretty good. So it wasn't a whole lot of risk involved. So Jim,
1: it sounds like with the wows, it was a natural progression. She was already doing this. She had a skill. So it made sense to try to make it into her own business. Now, if I'm correct, you kind of were more of a computer science guy. How did you end up creating your personal finance business?
3: It's funny, so this is two thousand four five. I just started working. I was writing about personal finance. it was the site was growing it's like early days in personal finance blog my day job was in software. Uh, you were right. it's defense industry like very stable, also very large and so like Mrs. Wow, actually, as the business grew and I sort of had a cash question, I decided to go for it. My thought was that I could always go back and I felt very stable in that idea. And so that gave me the confidence to make the leap. I was banking all this money. So back then, like the whole early retirement FI, it was just starting. I didn't even know about it. That's how early it was, at least in terms of the number of blogs that were out there talking about it. And so I was just banking money because it was all from a side business. And I got to the point where I said, okay, this replaced a certain number of years of income. I was buying my future. I could work on this blog and if it imploded in four or five years, I could always go back and I have this cash cushion, which isn't that much different when you think about how you build a way to retire early. And that coupled with being able to go back, I felt completely confident in going forward. My dad, on the other hand, was like, are you sure? Because I alluded earlier, I was like, they said, don't worry about money. I want you to worry about studying, getting a good job, getting good grades, college, all that stuff. And so it was on this path this entire time. So the fear was mostly psychological. You had invested so much in these sunk costs, that leaving that was scarier than the actual numbers and financials of it.
1: Yeah, Brandon, I want you to pick up on that. You know, what role does fear play in building a business? Is it hampering us uh, from realizing our true potential?
2: Oh, absolutely. So, yes, I wanted to chime in here because mine was a really embarrassing story how I actually got over the fear. So, like I said, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I was too much of a wuss. So, I would half-ask these things over the years like I'd start an idea and get real excited about it and I'm sure a lot of people out there like buy a bunch of domain names that they never do anything with, and that was me for throughout my 20s and I just had all these big ideas and I would, you know, start working on some of them and and then I would just drop them because I think the fear at that stage wasn't really like a financial thing. It was more like, well, if this doesn't work, or if I get people saying I'm an idiot for trying it, or you know, it was more like, uh, I don't think my ego could have taken a business failure. So rather than fail, I would just put it on the back burner and it always had that unlimited potential still. And then I'd move on to something new. It was my 30th birthday. We lived in Vermont at the time and we went up to JP. It's a really nice ski resort. We had to like nice condo that we rented with like, I think six of my friends. And we had this great day skiing, went out to dinner, 30th birthday party, had some drinks. And then we came back to the condo, and we're having some more drinks, and I just had a meltdown. I was like, what have I done with my life? I'm 30, I've wasted my 20s. And then my girlfriend, now wife, she got real angry. because She's like, what do you mean, what have you done with your life? And then we fought about it, and like my friends still bring it up to day. They're like, yeah, they want to come to my 40th birthday in a few years because they think it's going to happen again. But it was literally the next week. I turned 30 January 29th, 2012, and then, yeah, February, I launched Mad Scientist because I was like, you know, this is an idea that I'm super passionate about. I think, you know, if I start writing about this stuff, it'll really help me reach FI quicker. And rather than overanalyze it to death, I'm just going to start it. And yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. And yeah, I have no idea how to interview people. I don't know how to write blog posts. I know nothing, but I'm just going to start it anyway. And that'll be better than at least having all these millions of ideas on the shelf.
0: I think this is the really nice thing about having a partnership here is because Brandon, I was exactly like you. I was so afraid to do it, but I was able to look to Mr. Wow and he was like, okay, click and would just hit go. And so when I'm sitting here (laughs) dragging my feet, not wanting to do it, he's like already like, yep, we're done. Here you go. Let's keep going.
1: So, Mr. Wow, were there naysayers around that kind of said, oh, you can't do this? Or were there occupational therapist friends who were saying, oh, you can't start your own business. That never works. It's too difficult.
0: No, I really didn't have many naysayers. I feel like at least the people that I would talk to, they were extremely supportive. A lot of the people within the therapy realm and just within like the business realm, everyone's like, yes, you can do it. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But everybody was super supportive.
4: I can't think of anything that anybody that was really kind of doom and gloom about it. Again, like with me having a stable job, it left her a little bit more open to take a little bit more risk. And so she was doing a lot of this on her own anyway as a contractor. So we basically just rewrote some contracts and and fed the overhead straight into her pocket instead of somebody else's. So, So we actually had a pretty good setup to go ahead and try this out.
1: Were there any surprises in that first year, issues that you had no idea about that sprung up?
4: Yeah. A lot of the incorporation and the legal liability stuff that came along with it, we really had no idea. And I think we messed up some of it, even just like getting incorporated. Again, with her being in healthcare, our liability, I wanted corporation and the limited liability and the corporate structure to be very bulletproof to eliminate a lot of the liability on her and on us. If we have an issue, you know, I think that's a little bit different than a lot of the folks that, you know, are doing kind of blogging and stuff like that and in, in digital space, uh, working in healthcare, there's a lot more liability. So that was something that we really kind of tiptoed around and made sure that we had buttoned up.
1: Jim, I'm interested in this idea of the difference between a hobby and a side hustle and a business. And one of the things that I see is You start thinking of it as a business when you actually take those technical steps, right? You incorporate, you get your business credit card, you get your business bank account. Are the technical issues standing in the way? Do you think that's what's keeping people from starting businesses?
3: No, I think it it all comes down to that fear aspect. Like I could have quit my job a couple of years earlier and worked on the first personal finance site full time. I was just mentally not there and ready to do that. And what I see a lot is folks will find these little, like, they're not really roadblocks, but like, yeah, you have to file articles in incorporation. corporation. You have to mail them in and then you have to get what you get back and go to the bank. And these are all technical steps that you have to take, but they're all well understood. And granted, if you go into healthcare and there are other licensing and, and whatever, those are more steps you have to take, but they're all well understood. There are other businesses that have done this before, but people will let those things get in the way of starting it. The most common one is you want to start a blog, you can't think of a name, you can't think of a domain. And then, so you think about a domain for a year. And like, yes, it's not an easy step, but it's also not a hard one. But the hard part is just getting over the psychology of it.
2: In my 20s is the stuff that like stopped me really. I'd get to the point where it was like, oh, is this almost oh, a serious thing? And now I need to do these like proper businessy things. And it would actually stop me. So I was one of those people that you mentioned that would allow that to stop them. And then like, had I been in my 20s when I started MedFinist. I would have done all that stuff until... And then I would have just quit because I wouldn't have known that I needed to have these disclosures or disclaimers and privacy statements and LLCs and business bank accounts. That's when I hit that roadblock when I was 30. And I I was like, forget it. I'm just going to start it. And it wasn't until last year that I actually got a business bank account and got an LLC. And yeah, I'd, I'd just been keeping track of stuff on a spreadsheet for five years. And yeah, luckily it all turned out okay and didn't stop me because yeah, those things, even though they are so well defined, as you said, it takes a very small excuse to stop you from doing something because of that fear that we talked about earlier, I think. I very
5: much resonate with that similar story of overcoming your fear and the technical mechanical bits of getting your blog name or LLC or incorporated. They're all Solvable and those are probably only piddly excuses to keep you. The real issue that people that are listening to this might probably are having if they haven't already started is overcoming that fear. Was there some sort of trigger for you, Jim or Brandon? I guess Brandon, you've shared yours trigger. Your yours was the turning 30. But Jim, was there some sort of a trigger for you? Because I, I understand and it was for me too. People have these events in their life, and I would like to help people not have to wait for those events, but go ahead and start. What was your trigger?
3: I got married. What it did was it took the health insurance, finding health insurance thing off the table. And I didn't have to worry about that. I was like, oh, well, if I don't have to worry about insurance, and at this point, the business was incorporated and whatever. It was just a matter of just leaving a job. I was like, I have insurance. There's no other reason. And, you know, obviously when you're getting married, that date is on the calendar. And so I could have quit earlier. And then it's like, well, it's only three months left. So I'll just work another three months. And then finally that day I put in my two weeks
1: and it was, it was getting married. Mrs. Wow, was there a specific trigger for you?
0: I feel like it was just like the one day that Mr. Wow came home and was like, you should start your own business. And I looked at him and I was like, you're crazy. There's no way I could do this. And I think that just kind of planted the seed that maybe I could. There's going to be a lot to work that I have to do. But yeah, I don't think I really ever had that thought until he made that comment.
4: I'll add that I think her trigger was me like forcing her into it because otherwise she'd be dragging her feet the whole time. And I have I guess it's just my personality. I have a propensity to action and I probably act before I think most times I'm kind of the shoot first, ask questions later. I know when we started our blog, we was just kind of like, all right, let's do it, publish. And that was kind of it. There wasn't a lot of thought. And then she will plan everything out. A lot of what you guys are talking about is she'll plan everything out and make sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed and all this stuff before she goes. And I'm just kind of like, whatever, we'll spell check it later after it's published. I think that might have been a big catalyst for her to go to.
1: So Brandon, I want you to speak to this because you talked about it a little bit in the blog post you wrote about business. Are we starting businesses wrong? Are we afraid to take action before we have it all plotted out?
2: I would say I was. I I needed some of what Mr. Wow had and just fire before ready because I would just prepare, 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 and then never do anything because by the time I was done preparing for years, I would have thought about the idea for so long that it sounded stupid or normal or already been done. And I wish I had more of that. I'm wondering. So one of the things I've always thought about, about how
3: school is very much you study whatever you take tests and there's like a finality to what like you take the test and that is your grade no matter what happens afterward that's your grade even though fair or unfair and I wonder how many of us did well in school and so it was very much a sense of like I need to study before I take the test and starting a business is a test and how many were just you know what it's not a test starting a business is definitely not a test doing anything on the internet is not a test it is a iterative you go back you can edit it you could do whatever you want you delete it it could disappear And we go through our academic life with this idea that everything's final and our decisions have, you know, you're stuck with them forever. And so it's something to to think about about the education system. I don't know if we want to go down that path, but just wonder how many of you know, did well in school in that rigorous system.
4: Well, I think uh, piggybacking on that, I think part of it is the fact that we select a major at 18 years old and we invest all that time and effort into becoming a quote-unquote specialist in a specific field you know I was a mechanical engineer and now I'm in software right like in theory I should still be designing airplane parts I shouldn't be writing software and so I think there's a bit of that right I invested all that time and in effort into becoming this certain specialty and now am I just going to throw that all away I, I you know I don't know
0: I think it goes into also just you kind of get shoveled into the path of becoming an employee and this is what you do. This is your path. You go to school, you get your degree, you become an employee and you work your way up the corporate ladder and it's just set out for you. And when you think about starting your own thing, you're really just kind of breaking the barriers and kind of going against the norm where most people aren't doing that. And so you have your whole life. Everyone's like you're doing this and then this and then this. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm actually going to go way over to the other side here and try something completely different.
6: This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification. Purposeful cockpit-like driving position and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle's systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R-U-S-A dot That's LandRoverUSA.com. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales
1: Navigator. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date, first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, service key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Right now, you
6: can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash earn. That is linkedin.com slash E-A-R-N for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash earn and get started.
1: Yeah, and Jim, I'm wondering about your opinion of that too. As a physician, I got really used to this idea of being an employee. And when I'm talking about financial independence or thinking about it, I almost look like getting a job as an investment in your future. And it almost feels like starting a business is almost like speculation. And, you know, we don't like speculation in this community, right? We like investments, right? We like to plot out a certain course. Are businesses risky?
3: I graduated in 2002 with software, with a computer science degree. And for the previous year, you know, the dot-com bubble burst, 2001. And I saw all my friends who had gotten these great jobs at startups get their offers rescinded. And then you go through the Great Recession, 2008. You see all the people who had what seemingly had stable jobs lose their jobs. And you realize the idea of working for someone else does provide a level of stability, but it's not real. If the economy goes bad or the company does poorly, or if you, say, work for Enron in 2001 or two of the year that they went back with this massive company. Like, it's not that risky if you are aware. Like, right? being an employee doesn't mean that you're safer. And so that's sort of like a, an unfair comparison with a business. Yeah, businesses are risky. Are they speculative? Maybe, maybe not. But that's why you save up a lot of money. Like, I feel as if entrepreneurs should be saving up a lot more money than, say, an employee because a downturn will hit you much faster than an employer being as large as they may be. Like if you say corporate job versus retail, like a retail job is riskier right, than a corporate job. And where does a business fall in that? I don't know. I don't know if it's riskier or safer.
1: And I guess it also depends on the business, right? And yeah. what the model is and what your previous training and what the need for whatever product or service you are creating.
2: Started and manage it because if you invest a ton of money up front to buy a ton of equipment or hire a bunch of full time staff or things like that, then it's going to be a lot riskier than if you bootstrap and you know manage your costs like you would to your own personal finances. And so, I think there's a lot of width on that spectrum as well.
1: Brandon, knowing what you know now. Would you have done it differently? Would you have started a business much earlier? Would you have gone into, I don't know if I'd call what you did corporate America, but would you have become an employer? Do you think you would have much quickly started working for yourself?
2: I learned a ton as an employee. Like that was like free training. I I too graduated with a degree in computer science just a few years after Jim and That was all like theoretical, like for me to be a computer science professor. And I was like, who's going to hire me? Like, I don't know what, like, yeah, sure. I can study this algorithm, but I can't really write you anything that's productive. So my first few years in a career were phenomenal and I, I learned so much. And then I learned... You know how to build web apps and things like that. So I'm happy I did it. But yes, absolutely. I wish I would have not focused as much on reaching FI as quickly. And I wish I would have just started some of these things because there's so many benefits to having your own business that you need, especially if you are FI and if you walk away from full-time work. I couldn't imagine being without a real job without having these businesses that I'm working on because I think I would go crazy.
1: Mrs. Wow, well, I'd like you to jump in here too. Tell me about what you've noticed to be some of the best benefits of running your own business.
0: There's so many. And I feel like, especially with the buy and the fire mindset, for me, it's just given me a ton of flexibility where I have the autonomy over my schedule. I can do pretty much whatever it is that I want to do. If I want to pivot and go in a different direction, I can go do that. If I want to go study something else and pick up some other clinical skills, I can go pick that up. I don't have to run to my boss and be like, hey, I know we don't do this, but I want to go study like hippotherapy or something like that. I love just kind of having that flexibility there. And I think it just has opened up this entire new world and path as we kind of go down the route of financial independence. And I know like my job is my life right now, but it's also just given me this whole sense of like purpose as we pursue this path.
1: I'd like to pivot here a touch with Mr. Wow. One thing about the financial independence community is sometimes we tend to be an echo chamber, right? So you have a lot of people talking about the same thing. And sometimes we make it sound easier than it is have we made building businesses sound too
4: easy? I mean, is it harder than we let it on to be? That's a good question. I think building a very successful business is harder than we let it on to be, but starting a business is a lot easier than than a lot of people tend to think, right? So I think you can get started very, very easily. Like anybody, especially this day and age, anybody can go out there and just kind of throw stuff out there and see what sticks. I think building something into a massive either corporation or something along those lines. I think, I think is very, very difficult and the stars have to align for things to happen. But I think it's more of an overcoming the fear thing than it is anything else. And, and that initial step and just getting it out there, because I don't think it's all that hard for somebody to go out and figure out how to make $500 a month or, or $1,000 a month. I don't know that that's overblown and in our community. I think it's how
2: you define success as well. Like, yeah, if you're comparing yourself to Steve jobs, then yeah, that's going to be difficult but I probably am very guilty of saying how easy it is because I think the post I wrote said something like how to guarantee success. But what I meant by that was like, if you tackle it in the right way and it's something that you either love or really interested in or want to get better at or want to meet people in the space or just want to spend more time on, Like I think a business is an amazing way to force yourself into going deeper into something than you would otherwise. At least that's for me. Like The whole reason I started Mad Scientist was because I was like, I know there's ways I can reach FI quicker And I know there's ways to optimize my finances, but I also know myself well enough to know that I'm not going to really dive into IRS tax documents on a Saturday unless I have this like external motivation to do so, you know, the need to write a new article pushing me to do that. So, the point of the article that I wrote recently was that if you pick a business in this like sweet spot of where all these things combine, then it doesn't matter if you don't have any readers or don't have a single penny added to your bank balance because it will force you to do something you want it to do anyway. And when you get better at something or go deeper into something, you get a lot more happiness and value from that.
1: Jim, I'd like you to talk to this point a little bit too. I think many of us in the beginning of our financial pathway can answer the why of creating a business fairly simply, right? It's extra revenue streams, It's the possibility of being independent, et cetera. Once people reach financial independence, once people have had success in their W-2 job or in their side hustles, why keep going? I've noticed that you're involved in a number of businesses. What is now your why?
3: My why, it goes back into that issue of curiosity. So in 2010, I sold that first blog and was financially independent and it was awesome, except now I had nothing to do because the thing that I had been waking up thinking about for years, was now someone else's thing. And there's that old adage, no one washes the rental car. And so while I was still working out the agreement, I just wasn't as interested because I, wasn't, I didn't have a, a buy-in as much. So I had to figure out what I wanted to do. I was curious. I started a, a business doing meal plans. And I'm not particularly passionate about meal plans, but I was really interested in building a membership site and trying to understand that model and that I did it because it was fun. And so I'm still part of that business. It's a great business. Got back into personal finance with Wallet Hacks because I love the community and it's fun and I understand it. It scratches all those itches of having a business without as much of the struggle and in, in trying to figure out what to do. You know, the, the basic technical stuff but you love that, what do you write about? How do you write? How do you build a network, etc. So it's just trying to have fun and doing things that interest me.
1: Mr. and Mrs. Wow, I'm wondering your response to this too. You guys have built a successful healthcare business. Are there thoughts or urges to start building new types of businesses?
4: Go into Jim's point there, I think in our nature, at least everybody on this call, we're, we're kind of tinkerers and we like to pull things apart and see how they work. And a business is a really complicated system and a really complicated problem. And so the fact that we're just interested in pulling it apart and, and seeing what works, right? So I have a couple of things that I'm working on on the side and we're looking at ways to expand her business so that it's not so much of a trade time for money type thing. So yeah, so we're, we're just kind of going down that path. And it, it is something that's engaging. And it's funny, because we used to watch a lot of television, and we used to go out to the bars a lot. And now we find ourselves all weekend, like working on different things for the business and different, you know, I'm working on a project, and she's working on something. And, and, and that's what we actually find entertaining now, because it's engaging and, and interesting.
5: I'm curious. I'd like to take that thought a little bit further. We have this notion that we're tinkers and we're trying to to grow something and we have this curiosity, but why do it in the first place? So Brandon, I don't feel like your growth to become financial independent was as a direct result of your side hustle. Whereas with Jim, it feels like it was. So is there a right path here? Should we be thinking about a side hustle as a way to get to financial independence? Or should it be better served as what you do when you become financially independent and pull on
2: your curiosity? Brandon? I would say if I had started the Mad Scientist. Hoping to make money and help me get to Fi quicker, other than the actual research part, I would have quit three years in because <laughs> the amount of work that it took to produce Mad Fientist content. And I'm not even that prolific. I think I still have less than a hundred posts on my site. But for me it was like such hard work and I would obsess about it so much. And if it wasn't from a place of me being interested in me trying to like condense my thinking and do the research to help me personally and because it was a personal interest as well, I would have definitely quit. And, and that's what I talk about in that post that I wrote is it's harder to be successful when money is the main goal in a business and if it's not the main goal then you're getting all these other benefits and hopefully yeah hopefully it will help you on your path I. and like Jim it'll really accelerate it and I'm sure it wasn't his primary um, motivation when starting either and it was probably quite a surprise like it was to me but yeah I think if money is your main goal there's way easier ways to make money you're probably better off sticking with your career I would say
1: Jim, I'm wondering about that. You know, I think in the beginning when money is our goal, it also keeps us working sometimes when we don't want to be. So we're willing to do the painful, difficult parts of forming a business and keeping that business running because we need the economics to work. When you get to the point where you're financially independent no longer need those economics to work. Is it difficult to continue the drive when you're tasked with some of those annoying parts of running a business? I mean, not all running a business is joy and fun. Some of it is just writing out summaries and doing the bills and filling out QuickBooks. Is it hard to keep working towards those things when you no longer need it? It's not for me
3: personally, but one of the things that I've learned to be able to let go of in a business is are all those things that don't add value in the sense that if someone else can do it, the prime cases you mentioned QuickBooks are accounting and payroll and all that. Like, I don't need to do that. I don't need to handle my own taxes. I don't need to, you know, that lets me focus on the growth and things that I enjoy more. The only things I've outsourced are maybe a little bit of writing and that the accounting and the taxes I think that if you're starting a business because you think that or you're looking for it to make a lot of money or a little bit of money, but quickly, it's very difficult because you're going to have to take a lot of time learning and that learning process is unpaid and you will quit very early. I would have quit within the first three years. I would have quit within the first year easily if I needed to make money and it didn't, but that's fine because it was a hobby and it was fun. And I think also the folks that have a, a job, a regular job, a corporate job, whatever it is, and they want to start a side business. It doesn't need to make to Mister Wells, but it, an extra hundred bucks is huge. Extra five hundred, extra thousand, twelve thousand a year for this side business. Especially if let's say it's a blog and it's making money, and you don't have, actually have to do anything more. Brendan said he has what less than a hundred posts on his site. So if you granted, there are you know there's the podcast and everything else, but that's a game changer. That twelve thousand, you're two thirds of the way into your four hundred one k, and that's all on the side, not your corporate job. So it's It's important.
1: Yeah, Jim, I think you speak to an important point. I've always looked at a business as its own asset class, right? So you have stocks and you have bonds and you have real estate, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the business asset class is a great way to diversify your portfolio. But it does kind of beg the question, and I'm gonna send this over to Mrs. Wow. Can everyone be a successful business owner? I mean, is that something that at least we in the financial independence community, most of us should be able to grasp?
0: That's a fantastic question. I feel like everybody has the potential to be successful, but not everybody will be successful. I think it really does take a lot of effort. You have to have a lot of purpose and a sense of like, I need to do this, even if it's hard, even if you're working crazy hours. I mean, it goes back to the quote of you leave your job at working 40 hours a week. And when you become an entrepreneur to work 80 hours a week. And I know for me, in the last four years since my business has been off the ground, I've worked harder than I ever have in my entire life. Then it also goes back to I'm doing this for me and the harder I work, I I hope to become more successful but I I also hope to just grow the business and learn and just continue that progression.
1: Mr. Wow, I'd like to ask you the same question. Can everyone own or run a successful business?
4: I'm going to say no, because I think there's a certain amount of luck involved. And I think you have to have the right kind of recipe of things, right? Like uh, Jim and Brandon talked about, you have to have a passion for it, right? Because if you're going into it, just looking to make money, it's not going to work, right? Like you have to have a passion for it. I mean, we've been writing our blog for over two years now and we don't monetize it at all, but we work, I don't know how many hours every week, putting out content and doing different things and interacting with people and we don't monetize it at all, right? And so, and that's just a passion passion project for us. And we keep going. Now, could we turn that into a business? I don't know. But I think there's a survivorship bias on what people see and all the things that you're talking about, right? Like, oh, it's easy. It's successful. I don't think a lot of people realize that nine out of 10 businesses fail, right? Like, I mean, we're talking to three successful business owners here. And that means that there's 27 other ones that failed miserably in the first year, right? And so, I don't know, it, it's it's kind of a harsh reality, a fact. And I think it's because it's glorified and people don't understand that there's a lot of work that goes into it. And they don't ever see that because there is a lot of work and a lot of effort that goes in behind the scenes.
5: But aren't we all just special butterflies and all going to be successful because we're listening to this podcast. That seems to be the message that I hear from practically everything I listen to, because it's, I think you're right. You nailed it. It is the survivorship bias. And so I like to hear the counterpoint of if you're listening to this and this doesn't strike your fancy, if you don't want to be a business owner and you're happy doing your career, your business, your job, whatever it is you do, and you should still be investing and doing the simple path of wealth things that we all talk about, but then, you know, move
4: on. There's a, a great analogy and I forget who it was, but there was a guy who he was playing, I think St. Andrews is a pro golfer. And somebody came up to him and was like, you have the best life, right? You walk around and, and you play golf at all the guest courses in the world and that's all you do. And, and then you travel and he goes, well, you could do it. And the guy's like, well, what do you mean? No, I can't. He says, oh yeah, you can, but you don't want to. And then the guy that was talking to the golfer says, what do you mean? I would love to, I would love to have your job. He goes, no, you're not with me at 4am hitting buckets of golf balls until your hands bleed. You haven't been doing this since you were four years old. You haven't, you know, you aren't doing this. You aren't away from your family 300 days out of the year. You know, you don't want this. And so I think there's a lot of seeing the pro golfer playing St. Andrews every year and not seeing the 4 a.m. wake up call hitting dozens and dozens of buckets of golf balls until your hands bleed every morning.
1: Brandon, I think what he's talking to is this stuff takes work and it takes skill. And I'm wondering a little bit about how we learn the skills to be able to start our own businesses. Should we all be going out and getting MBAs? No,
2: I would say no. So I got a free master's degree during my last job. Since it was free and I knew it was my last job and I knew I wasn't going to actually use the degree for anything, I just tried to take as many courses that sounded interesting to me. So I took quite a few courses at an Ivy League business school, one of the top business schools. I think they were the first MBA in the the US. And yeah, I learned a lot of interesting stuff, but it's like trying to learn how to play golf by watching YouTube videos, I think. You know, it's like, yeah, you feel like you're learning something, but there's nothing like making a decision that's going to either cost you money or maybe get you in trouble or, you know, especially in today's day and age where there's like, the gatekeepers are all being removed and technology's letting us do whatever we want, really, almost. It's like, I would say just start trying stuff. And not only is it going to be more exciting and more fun, I think you'll learn a lot. And it's probably a quicker path to standards definition of success in actually making money and having a profitable, successful business in that
4: sense? So I have an MBA and I learned more in working with her on her business than I did in two years of MBA school in the first six months, far and away applicable knowledge, all sorts of stuff. Like I don't care about T accounts for accounting. I don't care about any of that crap. It's just now it's a matter of actually putting pen to paper and doing it. And that's where you learn what's going on.
3: I was gonna add also like I got an MBA because my employer paid for it. I didn't realize I wasn't gonna need it and based on when I quit, I should have to pay some of that back. But I think we're moving more towards, if you want to go into any kind of business, more of like an apprenticeship, if you want to learn, help someone with their business and not an MBA, like accountants care about accounting, but no one else should.
0: I think the big thing to note here is, at least for me and what I went through, I really learned a lot from all of the mistakes that I made. Call it a mistake, call it a failure, however you want to term it. When something didn't go as I wanted it to go or as I hoped it it would go, I learned from that and I improved. I made myself better. I made the company better. And so I do not have an MBA, and so the whole business side was completely foreign, completely novel to me. I knew the technical skills of my job, and that's about it. And And I learned from my mistakes, but the big thing I'll say is really having that community around you and having people that can mentor you, that will support you, that you can go to, to ask questions, to just bounce ideas. It's not an easy route, but if you have people that are there to support you, it makes it just a little bit easier and it makes you feel like you can keep going.
2: And that goes back to what Jim was saying about apprenticeships, which I think is a huge point as well. And that's like a super lucky situation that people that are financially independent or in, You can go to somebody and be like, hey, can I just work for you for free and learn everything and you just teach me and like, I don't need money. So why would you say no to me? So that's something I'm looking into personally is like, there's other things that I'm looking into that I really want to learn more about. And I think an apprenticeship is like a speedy way of doing that. And since I don't actually need the money, it's not like I'm trying to get a job. I'm just going to hopefully find somebody and be like, hey, I'll work for free and I'm a hard worker and I just want you to teach me if you can.
0: Yeah, I take a lot of students with me. And one of the big things about their education piece is I show them that they don't have to go that typical route. They don't have to just become a W-2 employee that if you have a passion to do something different, you can go out and do it. Even if it's just you, you can go out and create a business around whatever interest that you have. And I think showing people that are kind of fresh into the field or getting into these fields that they can do it is huge because all of a sudden they're at the beginning of their schooling and it just opens up this entire new world to them about The potential of where their life could go.
5: Well, I really like the way this is rounding out here at the end. You guys have given us all and our listeners a lot to think about on their path to financial independence. Should building a business, building a side hustle be a part of that path? And I'll give each of you one last chance to give some advice based on your experiences to our listeners on what they should be thinking about if they should launch how to transition from working a traditional career to transitioning into a business, if that's where they want to go. I'll round this back out to Mr. Wow. Could you chime in on, if you could just imagine speaking to one of our listeners and they're thinking about starting a small business, what should they be thinking about along their path to financial independence?
3: I would just say, I'm sure they heard this before, but just start something. And what is the next step you need to take to get this ball rolling? There's a survivorship bias, but you don't know if you're a special butterfly until you try to fly.
5: And I asked the same question to Brandon, because I think a lot of people resonate with your story. And I especially like the details that you provide in your blog. And you talk about you not being a prodigious, at least not in volume, as far as what you produced. And even your podcast, I think you um, produce only about once a month we are all starving to hear more from you because we resonate with your story. And I think you were one of the early adopters of jumping on this fire bandwagon and we somehow resonate with your story. How would you take that and share your advice to somebody else who's thinking about doing something similar along their path to financial independence? So starting a
2: business based right. on financial independence, right. I would caution against that. I am really lucky. I feel that I have such like a passionate side interest that I'm currently working on. Because if Mad Scientist was all I was banking on, it would have been a pretty sad couple of years, to be honest. Because you think money's like obviously you're on the path to Fi. And if you're like me, that's all you think about. You're just working towards it. You're talking to everybody about it. In my case, I was writing about it. I was podcasting about it. I was obsessed with it. And then you hit your goal and then more money is fairly meaningless, which is really surprising for somebody who is obsessed about it for their whole life. So if all you have for your post-FI life is to talk about FI or hang out with FI people or just do nothing but FI, then I think you should keep working, to be honest. And that's probably going to rub people the wrong way, maybe. But honestly, I think that you will feel rudderless in your post life, if you don't have something else that you're working on. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast, because I think this is such an important part. If you can start a business that you don't really care about the money side of it, you're more caring about like building something, creating something that you're really interested in, learning more about something, or meeting people who are doing what you want to do. I think that's great. And that's going to make your transition into post FI life a lot easier. And if you don't have that, then it's the perfect time now to try to figure that out because you still are in the normal matrix and you're not in this weird world where nobody else is and you're not trying to answer all these like big existential questions about life and meaning and stuff, you're still in the daily grind. So this is the perfect time to be like, all right, what am I going to do next? And hey, maybe you're like me and you love money and you love optimizing finances. And maybe that is a good thing. I'm not saying like nobody start another five blog or podcast or whatever. But if you're only doing it because you're so obsessed with it in this part of your life, just prepare for the fact that you're probably not going to be as obsessed about it uh, at some time in the future once you have the money that you need. Yeah, you speak from experience
5: for sure. So I really like your reference to the matrix because I use that a lot as this idea of getting out of this matrix. But unlike the movie, it is not something you just have to completely unplug from. You you can gradually transition away from. In that same vein, Wiles, I'll give you guys a chance to answer the ultimate question, which is what should people be thinking about if they are considering starting a small business in order to achieve financial independence or to pull on that thread of curiosity? I'll start with you, Mr. Wiles.
4: I would say if you're looking to do it to accelerate your way to financial independence, I would hesitate in doing that. I would also say that if you're going to do it out of a genuine curiosity and you have a passion, then by all means, full speed ahead. There's a lot of work that goes into it that a lot of people are not, you're not aware of until you get in there and it's going to be harder than you expect. It's going to be way more rewarding than you expect, but it's going to be way harder than you expect. That being said, I am actually an odd duck in here because I still am a W-2 employee. I just work with her on her business. And so I actually have two jobs right now because I run all the, the accounting and stuff for her business so that she can take care of all the stuff that she wants to do. And I have ideas, but I have yet to pull the trigger on some of them. So I think that speaks to a lot of this. And even though we're talking about entrepreneurship and things in this in this episode. I've kind of dipped my toe in there, but I haven't taken the full plunge, which I I think is an an interesting perspective because it goes back to Brandon's point, which is maybe I'm not quite there yet to go full bore on my side. Okay,
5: Mrs. Wow, the same question to
4: you.
0: I agree with what's been said so far. I feel like you have to have that drive and you have to have that passion behind what you're doing. And... Not just to make money. There has to be purpose behind that because I agree, like with what Brandon said, is that in the beginning, you're probably not going to be making a lot of money. If you luck out, great, but it could be years. It could be five years. It could be even longer than that before you even start to see any sort of income, let alone like big or small. And so I feel like in this space, the side hustles, the businesses, everything is just pushed. It's almost like crammed down your throat a little bit. And it's like, oh, you can do this and you can do that. And you, you can make money doing anything. While that's true, that might be fun for a week or a month. And then once you kind of get those skills down, you're like, okay, I don't really care if I'm selling these pieces of paper or whatever it is. And so I think to have that continued growth and that continued success, you have to have purpose and you have to have that drive to push you through the hard times.
2: And I think if somebody's listening and they're like, I don't have that, or I don't know what that is, I think a lot of that sometimes comes from action. So rather than sitting on your couch and watching TV and in the back of your mind thinking, oh, what am I passionate about? I would just take whatever you're most passionate about at this moment, start something and see if that passion grows. Because a lot of times when you build something or when you go deeper into something, you realize, whoa, actually, this is, I'm really passionate about this. And I didn't realize how interesting this topic is until I started really diving in and creating stuff myself and creating stuff yourself is the best way to really truly experience something, I think. Wonderful. I appreciate that last
5: bit of wisdom from The Mad Scientist. And we'll give each of you a chance to share where you are on the internet. And what is up next for you in your life? Jim, let's start with you. Where can we find you and what's up next?
3: You can find me at wallethacks.com. And what's next is we had our third baby last year. And so that's kind of been the the focus and trying to get back to a normal sleeping schedule.
5: Same for you, Mr. and Mrs. Wow. Where can we find you? And what is up next for you?
0: So you can find us at wafflesonwednesday.com. And the big thing for me is I have really been investing a lot of time and energy and effort into my business over the last couple of years. And so I think this year is kind of the year of like focusing on my mindset rather than work in my business, try to work on my business and try to start to create some potentially more passive lines of income. Just expand and grow in some different ways here.
4: You can also find us on Twitter at Waffles on Wed. And for me, I have two side projects that I'm hoping will see the light of day. One is like a credit card thing that helps you make your minimum payments and alert you to not pay annual fees and stuff like that. And then another is something about guessing where the stock market will be and they'll tell you how wrong you are.
2: Brandon, where can we find you and what is up next for you? You can find me at madfiantist.com. And as far as what I'm doing, I got a lot of Madfiantist stuff lined up for this year. And there's a whole other side project that I'm going to be writing about soon that's taking up most of my time. And it's likely going to turn into a business, but it's one of those businesses where it's not really about money. So who knows if it'll make anything, but doing a lot of research into that at the moment, which is exciting. So So Doc, that was one of the more exciting,
5: fun, kind of dynamic conversations we've had because I think we all resonate with this entrepreneurial spirit. In our culture, we hold entrepreneurs up to a vaunted position. I think a lot of us want to be entrepreneurs, but I really like the diversity of opinions that we had here and the diversity of points of view that people came at this, especially Brandon's message of, yes, it's something worth considering, but if money is the only reason that you are looking for a job and you already are employed and you don't need other employment or other other income, the side hustle of the business should be more of an outlet for you that you can grow into as you become financial independent.
1: Yeah, I'm interested in this idea because, you know, we look at businesses when you first think about a business, the first thing you do is how much money you can make. But what I'm starting to realize is that focus on monetization is probably misguided and that probably we need to do things differently. One is we probably need to look at businesses that have low startup costs, right? Because we have to be able to fail and fail often with no at least monetary consequences. So low startup costs. I think we have to look for businesses that we enjoy. I think if you're starting to look at a business just to make money, you won't stick with it for the years that it takes to make something of it. And I think The other thing I really pulled from this conversation is that you shouldn't go into this business thinking that's gonna be your road to financial independence. I think it's more something to be done in parallel to whether it is your W-2 or how else you're making money, and then let it grow organically and naturally. Because otherwise, if you find yourself spending hours and hours, the hours it takes to build a successful business, and you're not enjoying it, and you're stressed out because you already have a 40-hour work week, and then you're adding on another 20 to 40 hours to make this business grow and work, you're not going to enjoy it, and you're going to fail. You're going to quit because it just won't be worthwhile.
5: Yeah, I like that conversation about whether or not, you know, your motive should be about money or not because I consider myself to be a one of those people. I have a business and I went into real estate investing with the motive of accelerating my exodus from the working world. And that was a very specific reason, but I knew that going into it. And I did fall in love with many aspects about real estate. Then realized that after a certain point that I didn't want to maintain that schedule of always on the hunt for the next deal and all the management that's associated with holding real estate. One of the lessons I learned is that knowing when enough is enough. And so I have now, and I certainly still am a real estate investor and I do deals, but I'm not in this like acquisition mode where I'm just always out on the hunt. I've transitioned now to having real estate and being a real estate investor. And I talk about real estate a lot outside of this podcast, but now I've transitioned more into a business where I am now pursuing what is my zone of genius and not just my zone of excellence, which was what real estate was. My zone of genius has become learning something new and sharing it with somebody else. That's when I I see the light bulb go off above somebody's head. That is what I have found to be My calling. I just enjoy teaching. As it turns out, who knew? I didn't know that going into it. So that's the curiosity aspect. I think that they're talking about and how getting started and testing things out and realizing, okay, this maybe isn't something that I'm just absolutely. If I can't do this, I'm gonna die. Kind of feeling. So it's this testing, right? I really like that advice.
1: You know, I started the conversation talking about my now and later's business, kind of tongue in cheek. But the truth of the matter is that testing you're talking about. I remember doing through childhood you know first it was the now and later then i started a business selling baseball cards because i loved collecting baseball mm. cards and then eventually when I was a young doctor, I started selling artwork. And then I found myself expanding until I eventually owned my own medical business. And so I kind of see myself as a serial entrepreneur. I always looked at these businesses, not only for the money they could make, because a lot of them didn't make a lot of that much money, but mm. more as the excitement and the joy of building something. And I'm wondering, you know, did you have some of those same experiences? Would you consider yourself a serial entrepreneur?
5: I am now, I would say. But when I was younger, no, I had to develop that skill set. I did not have a small business of any type when I was younger. I remember very specifically being on the baseball team and you're supposed to sell these chocolate bars door-to-door to raise money. I was mortified. I was crippling shy as a child. You would not recognize me from 10 years ago. I was very shy. I had a lot of, I don't know, self-confidence issues. I just, I was growing into myself and it took me a while to get there. Similar to what Brandon was talking about, you know, like where did his 20s go? Well, I did a very similar thing. I went and got a job and that was my, that was the path. I, I knew nothing else. And it took me a while to realize that there are other paths and I can go play with those and figure out which one works for me.
1: And I think that actually is a big message to this podcast today is you don't have to be a natural entrepreneur to later on in life decide that you want to start a business. It doesn't have to come natural to you. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying you'll succeed. But there are plenty of examples of people who are not entrepreneurial. And I think Mrs. Wow is a perfect example of it. Her beliefs about herself, I don't believe really had business as part of what one of her skills was. And yet she went and started her occupational therapy business and it's very successful. So I think that's an important message for our audience to hear that just because it's not the way you envisioned yourself before doesn't mean that you can't go out and do it. All right, well, this has been the What's Up Next podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, and my co-host, Paul Thompson, we'd like to thank Jim from Wallet Hacks, Brandon from the Mad Scientist, and Mr. and Mrs. Wow from waffles on Wednesday. That's a wrap.
5: Feel free to jump in because if you notice, uh, Brad was, was on ours and he just kind of took over the podcast and started asking questions and it was really good. So, um, right? <laughs> all
4: right, all right, Brandon, we're waiting for you.
2: No chance, man. I'm, I'm relaxing on this one. This is great. We can,
1: we can always cut you out. So, you know, well done. what was, was so fun can? about it?
2: Oh, it's just great hearing other people's perspectives and, uh, it's also chatting to humans too. So, uh, <laughs> 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 we should
5: have uh, called nice. this chatting to humans instead of what's up next.
4: <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah, exactly. laughs> chatting to humans.
2: <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's been great.
0: I just feel like there's a lot of like psychology that plays into the whole business world. And so I feel like we we started to kind of dive into that. And I don't think that's always discussed. It's usually like very technical steps that people are trying you have to do this and then this and then that. But I feel like there's, and again, this like ties right back into like fire and all of that. Like there's the psychology behind it that is as important, if not more.
5: For sure. Well, it's funny. That's why we call this What's Up Next because we're trying to find, we're trying to take the conversation to the next level. Nah.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, it's funny. That between all of us, we didn't even get into like the tax advantages of owning a business. <laughs> not even
5: close, right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually tracker. one of the main
4: parts. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. It's huge.
2: Or the sweet business credit cards you can get, like the ink.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, or like writing off beer at, uh, you know, yeah. local breweries. Entire trips. Yeah, that's right. Well, when Brandon was visiting us, we're out at a meetup, and he's like, well, you got to write this off, right? And he's like, wait, what? And I was like, of course, you're meeting with other bloggers.
2: I know. Hey, Brandon,
1: do you want to play us an outro on the this? No, no, it's not plugged right. in,
2: sadly. Yeah.
0: Sure. Okay. <laughs> I wish. We're going we're gonna to be out of the country at that point. So uh, we'll, we'll try our best. The internet, but uh, maybe, maybe we'll try we our best. how the internet
1: is in we're, India. <laughs> we're expecting you to double down. We'll <laughs> so. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more